We're going to study tonight an incredible, incredibly interesting tshuva by one of the most interesting rabbinic figures in Jewish history, Rabbi Yosef Massas. But Yosef Massas was a near, near contemporary figure. He passed away in passed away in uh, in 1974. Tafshin He was born was a rabbi in Morocco, a leading rabbi in Morocco. Eventually emigrated to eventually emigrated to Eretz Yisrael, made Aliyah, and was the Sephardic rabbi of Haifa. He's the author of a number of Sfarim. In general, he was known as being exceedingly lenient. Professor Mark Shapiro, others have noted that he was uh, very, very lenient to the point that he actually antagonized some of his Sephardic colleagues, or Avadi Yosef and others, who have occasionally dismissed his rulings as being unreliable. That uh, I once heard from a distinguished Sephardic Tamil Chacham that it was well known in Morocco. If you needed a kula, if you needed a leniency, you went to Rav Masas. He was the author of, as I said, a number of very lenient rulings. In general, he was apparently sympathetic to the plight of people who wanted to be observant but found it difficult in modern conditions. What, one of his most uh, famous rulings is he is probably one of the very few and certainly the most prominent Rav Posek, distinguished Posek in, in the contemporary period, who was lenient, who justified the custom of married women not covering their hair. But in general, he was very, very lenient. But the tshuva that we're going to do tonight is actually exception, one of the exceptions that proves the rule. He has a remarkably stringent, fire-breathing tshuva regarding a beloved, a beloved, perhaps universally accepted practice, certainly among the Ashkenazim, the practice of dressing up on Purim, of wearing costumes on Purim. Now, it's always interesting to consider some of the really iconic minhagim of, 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 of Judaism, the ones that are not from the Talmud and trying to uh, untangle where exactly they come from. A few months ago, we discussed dreidel. We, we, we noted many people have observed that dreidel, even though it's an iconic Jewish custom today, really is not all that Jewish in origin, and it's relatively late, uh, the custom. And tonight we're going to discuss the question of dressing up on Purim. Dressing up on Purim actually does go back a while. It goes back among Ashkenazim at least five, six hundred years. But, but as we'll see, and as we discussed in previous shiurim, the, the origins of the Minog also are shrouded in controversy, and Rav Masas in particular has a vehement tshuva rejecting the, rejecting the whole idea of dressing up on Purim. So, a little bit of background, as we discussed in a previous share, the, the famous early source for dressing up on Purim is a tshuva of five, six hundred years ago of Rabbi Yehuda Mintz, the Mari Mintz. He was discussing it in the context of cross-dressing. People used to wear, men used to dress up like women, women used to dress up like men. Normally that is prohibited by pr- biblical prohibitions. A man is not allowed to wear women's clothing, women are not allowed to wear men's clothing. So the, the Dark Emosha, Ramosha Isulis, the Ramah, brings in his Dark Emosha and the Shulchan Aruch, brings a tshuva of the Marimints, who discusses the fact that on Purim they used to wear partzufin, they used to wear these masks, these disguises, and there, there were various issues involved, and the, one of them was that men used to wear women's masks, and vice versa, men used to dress up like women, women like men. So it was a widespread minog, 
ain't mocha, and nobody protested. So the Marimints looked for looked for Haterim, tried to try to find basis to justify it. And you know, some of them are a little bit dubious. The Ramah himself tries to find other justifications for the Minhag. At the end of the day, the, the Dark Emotion's conclusion is Cain nearly Tamha Minhag. He feels that he has a something of a justification for it. However, he says it's not great. It's not a. Uh, it's not such a reliable heter. It's better to serve Hashem. You should have joy. Purim is a day of joy, but gila barada. You shouldn't. You shouldn't throw all Yerushalayim to the winds. It's not hefker. It's not everything goes. And therefore, the Ramah, the Dark Moshe says it's. You know, he can justify the minog, but he does not recommend it. In Shulchan Aruch, he writes, Mashinog, Ulubash Partufim, Bapurim. People wear masks on Purim and disguises on Purim, and men wear women's clothing and vice versa. Ainis or Bedavar. He says they're not doing it for purposes of, imm- of immorality. It's, it's just part of the Simchas Purim, and it's justifiable. The Minog is to be lenient, he says, and so on. Here he doesn't even mention that, uh, that he doesn't approve of the Minog in the Dark Emotion. He said that he's not, that he doesn't really recommend following this Minog. So against that background, let's consider now what Rav, what Rav Masas writes. So Rav Masas, as I said, died, uh, died about uh, 50 years ago. He writes as follows. He says, The tshuva is addressed to a tzorvim erabanan, to a talmud chacham somewhere, hachafetz be'elam shmo, who requested anonymity. Not entirely sure why. As we'll see, he got involved in a controversy. Maybe he didn't want, uh, he was afraid of the repercussions. But this, this talmud chacham wrote to Rav Masas, asking him about the custom to dress up on Purim. That the Talmud Chacham wrote, Ki Megurecha, in where you come from, Nagu Harbe Hedyotos, simple people, common people, not Talmud Chachamim apparently, but Hedyotos on Purim. So they, they dress up, Lilbo Shal they wear masks, disguises, Partsufim Hayaduim, the well-known masks, Venikra, Venikraim, Belosh and Arav, in Arabic they're called Beshem Maskarat, I wasn't able to track down the Arabic, but it's pretty clear what that refers to. It's some variation of the word masquerade. This custom of dressing up has many serious problems. We'll discuss some of them as we go, but it has many serious problems. As I mentioned earlier, among Sephardim, this was less common. As we'll see, Ramasas and Rameir Mazuz as well, Note that this was an old Ashkenazi custom, but it was not common among Svardim until relatively recently, where I guess they met in Israel and other places, but Svardim traditionally did not do this. So this Talmud Chacham, presumably from some Svardic country, objected to the, objected to the practice. He got upset. He protested. The local authorities began to quarrel with him, and apparently it was an unpleasant situation. This Talmud Chacham took for, took for granted that Rav Yosef Masas would agree with him that the custom was improper, and indeed Rav Masas did agree. And he said, just please, please give me some material, please give me some ammunition I can use to bolster my case that dressing up on Purim is not appropriate. I need some, I need some uh, ammunition, I need some sources to, to show everyone that this is a terrible practice and it is worth protesting. To abolish this uh, evil custom. Tshuva. What is Rav Masas' response? 
So it's true, this minhag does have sources going back centuries. It's brought in the Ramah, in the name of Mari Mintz, even though in the Ramah, Ramah itself, he just wrote the minhag is to be lenient, to follow the lenient view, but in the Dark Moshe, he did say, and as well, the Berhetev collects other sources, brings in the name of the Taz, and the Bach, and the Knesset Dola, in Yerdea, Simon Kufebe. That's where the halachas of cross-dressing are. So the Achronim over there say, It is absolutely prohibited. The Bach discusses Purim over there as well. And the Bach argues at length that it's improper for men to dress up as women. Again, the focus there is not on dressing up in general. The focus is specifically on the, dress, on the cross-dressing aspect of Purim. The Bach writes that, again, like the Ramah, he says that the, that the Minog was... They would change their clothes. He brings the marimints. He discusses the marimints, and he says it's not appropriate. At the end of the day, he feels it's wrong. He gets into a long technical discussion of the parameters of the prohibition on cross-dressing and concludes that it's problematic in this case. Furthermore, he says this can be an aid for immorality. Men can uh, men can. Uh, insinuate themselves among women and vice versa for the purpose of engaging in immoral behavior. Va'od, the Bach adds, Hadavrashu Arabi Yoser, the absolute worst thing he says, that it's bad enough the cross dressing is what technically violates the lav, but now he says they actually disguise their faces, which also is a further aid to debauchery and immorality, I guess, and to making the kind of mischief that the Torah wants, he wants to guard against by prohibiting cross-dressing. So the Bach says, this is really very problematic. The best we can do is to say, they're not going to listen to us, so sometimes we apply a rule that discretion is the better part of valor. Don't say anything if you're not going to accomplish anything. However, anyone who fears God shall warn his household anyone who, who will listen to him, that they should not violate a biblical prohibition, not on Purim, and not during wedding festivities. So the Bach is on, is on the side of those who say that it is problematic. Again, the focus of the early Achronim was essentially on the cross-dressing, which was pretty much exclusively on the cross-dressing aspect, and the Bach was staunchly opposed. So Rahmasas brings that the Berete brings several Akronim were against it, the Taz and the Bach and Meknasegdola. They said it was prohibited, Bar Shmuel, Birka Yosef. Then he quotes Hagon Baal Ber Hagola. The Beragolan Yoridea says that Harbig Zeros, the Harbanos, Noldulaideze, there have been many problems, many uh, edicts against Kal Yisrael, and many Incidences of incidences of destruction and, and uh, punishment that befell Jews because of this. Happy are those who are uh, praised are those. Happy are those who are who abolish this custom. He says He writes uh, strongly against this. And then Rav Masa says a, a somewhat uh, salacious incident. He says. A, a messenger from the communities in Israel collecting tzedakah in the diaspora. They, they used to visit. They, they were a source of uh, exchanging information, travelers who saw all kinds of things on the road. So this uh, Shluchad Rabbanon told me, Siper Li, Ramasa says, 
Apparently, it was not the custom in Eretz Yisrael, but he says he once he, he once spent Purim in a, in a certain place that had this custom to to wear the mask to, to get dressed up. There was a, a terrible incident where someone accidentally committed adultery and and did something with his father's wife. Mistook mistook her apparently for his either either mistook the woman involved or deliberately used the cover of the the revelry for this. Rahman, he says, he said, Rahman Litzan, Lo Ikiru says, uh, it wasn't done, uh, it wasn't done, uh, it wasn't done deliberately, but it was because of the, the confusion and the masks. Probably the wine uh, didn't help either. Lo Ikiru says, yeah, they didn't recognize each other, and the people were so shocked and so, uh, so devastated by what happened. Va'amdu, Bitlam, Bitl, Gummer, so the community abolished the process of dressing up on Purim. Basifas Kalakahal, Babesa Knesses, they had a grand meeting in the synagogue. Baharamos, the Yumim, they made all kinds of uh, dire prohibitions and bans, the Gizumim, Vniktavakal, Pinkasakal, and they recorded this the story in the community, the community ledgers. Again, so here the issue doesn't seem to have been so much cross dressing. The problem was that simply running around disguising your identity leads to problems. And uh, the idea of having a, uh, a wild, rowdy party with, uh, with dressing up itself leads to problems. So here already, the Ramasasis is, is going beyond the, the narrow concern, the, the narrower concern of the early poskim, that cross-dressing is a biblical prohibition. Here we're extending this to a, a, general, a general rejection of the idea of dressing up, dressing up and disguising oneself, certainly in the context of a party and a wild atmosphere, can lead to uh, terrible problems, and it is a bad minhug, and it should be abolished. And now Rav Masas comes up with a truly, uh, truly provocative, truly sensational objection to the whole process, to the whole minhag of dressing up. Va'od, he says, Dayadidi. He's doing what his correspondent requested. He's certainly providing him with all sorts of ammunition to make his case against dressing up. Dayadidi, my friend. No, no as follows, he says. Ki minhag zeh This custom of dressing up, of wearing masks. Nishtarvev mechag hanotzrim. It comes from a Christian holiday. Now, when most people think of Purim and Christian holidays, Western holidays, they probably think of Halloween. People will often ask, oh, people, you know, non-Jews will sometimes ask you, oh, Purim, is that the, is, is that, is that your, is that the Jewish Halloween? But Rav Masas is actually concerned with a different holiday, as we'll see, and it's one that has a much closer connection to Purim than Halloween. And that is Hanikra B'Shem Carnival. The, the, the Rav Masa says that the custom of dressing up and wearing masks on Purim actually is borrowed from the Christian holiday of Carnival. The Christian holiday of Carnival occur, occurs before the liturgical season of Lent, as Wikipedia tells us, and that is actually right around this time of the year. Lent, uh, Carnival occurs right before Lent. Lent occurs in, uh, right, right around now, in February, and so on, in March, and the to be, to be specific, the carnival, the main event, there isn't apparently, it's not as rigorous and as precisely defined as Judaism, where everything has a mola at an exact time and a Rosh Chodesh, but carnival events, depending on the country, the culture, typically occur in February and early March, the, the pre-Lent period, and the, basically right around Purim time. Carnival was a Western Christian holiday that occurred right around Purim time. Carnival typically involves, some of these things may seem familiar 
in the context of Purim, it includes public celebrations, parades, and includes other entertainments. Participants often indulge, I'm reading Wikipedia here, participants often indulge in excessive consumption of alcohol and other things, and it's a time of, it's a festival of great indulgence, and the, and so on and so forth. And therefore, Masah says, dressing up was not traditionally part of Purim, it was borrowed from Carnival, which occurs right around the time of Purim. Vanisha Alti, he says, I asked the many, uh, I, asked, I asked a number of experts, those familiar with uh, foreign languages, with European languages, Mapirish Carnival. What does Carnival mean? Vamruli, they told me, Shimila Yavanis Atika, it is in ancient Greek word, Vritsona Lomar, Chag Shel Shtus, holiday of foolishness. Apparently, we don't actually know what uh, we don't actually know what carnival means. You can read the Wikipedia entry for uh, for with, for various theories about the etymology of carnival. Most of the etymology seems to have to do with carn meaning meat. It's a time it's before Lent where we don't eat meat and so on. Different different things. And I, I didn't I didn't find Rav Masas's explanation of Chag Shalstus, but he said. Uh, but in any event, Rav Masas says that expert linguists that he consulted told him that the, the name Carnival itself, certainly that's, that, is the, that is an aspect of Carnival, that they're typically not the most uh, sober and philosophical holidays. They're typically, they involve wildness and partying and crudeness and so on. And Chag uh, Shostus, he says, it's an old Greek word that means holiday of foolishness. He says, further, I pressed my, uh, my, my friends who are experts in in European languages and culture and so on, I, I pressed them, he says, So I asked them, please tell me, this custom of dressing up on, on carnival and wearing masks, what is the source of this custom? What's it based on? After they did some serious research in the ancient histories, the, the early chronicles of the, of the nations, Matsu, the, the pre-Christian chronicles, Matsu, Shumimaya nirpash makar mushkas. It has uh, it has vile and uh, abhorrent sources. Shalayivanim baromiyim atikim. The ancient Romans and Greeks, the page, the, the pagans, the, the hedonists, ovdeva dezara, the, the idolaters. He says that the, that the source of the carnival shayulovshim elo apartufim biyom edom that they wore masks and various various holidays with, with various religious and uh, pagan holidays that they celebrated. Either ones for Elil Hayayin, the god of wine, uh, Dionysus, Ulalil Hayofi, Vazima, the goddess of beauty and uh, immorality, Venus, we call her, Vaosimbahem Kaltoeva, and they wear these masks and they do all kinds of abominable things, Rahmanul Itzlan. Now, actually, whether Carnival is connected to these ancient pagan festivals is uh, apparently something of a matter of speculation. Carnival itself, in its modern form, again, Wikipedia tells us, helpfully, is actually a medieval Christian invention. It, does not, it cannot be traced back in a straight line to the, the ancient pagan holidays. There, obviously, there were certainly pagan holidays involving wine and debauchery and immorality for Dionysus and Venus. There's no question that there were. Whether the medieval Carnival that is still celebrated in, it, in, in modern times in many countries. Whether that's actually related is somewhat speculative. That The actual carnival historians say we can't really trace back before around the year 1200. 
speculation. It may have been influenced by ancient Greek traditions for festivals for deities such as Dionysus. Nobody really knows, but Rav Masas seems to have been uh, persuaded by his, uh, the experts he consulted, A, that the very name Carnival uh, has, a, has a demeaning and vulgar connotation of Chag Shulstus, and B, that the origins of Carnival are in pagan, pagan holidays, and not just any pagan holidays, but pagan holidays that celebrate immorality and debauchery for Dionysus and Venus. And therefore he says, Imkain, Hoover Hadavar, Shemetsa Torah. So the, it's clear that, these, that these, this tradition of getting, of getting dressed up and wearing masks on Purim, we Jews, we borrowed it from the, the Christians who celebrate Carnival. The Christians, bad enough that it's, that it's, that it's non-Jewish and Christian, but the Christians, originally, it, it originated actually among the pagans, the, the ancient Roman and Greek idolaters, the Surum and Atara. It is a custom rooted in idolatry and is therefore biblically prohibited. Therefore, ne, therefore, Rav Masas winds up, Not only is, is wearing masks a problem of immorality, it violates, uh, if you actually cross-dress, it vi- you violate Loyal Bashgever. Even if you don't, it leads to improper mingling of the genders, and it leads to uh, immorality in general, as he said. Not only is that a problem, he says, Elav Nosef Od, Isur Chukas prohibited by the, the, the prohibition of the Torah against, against walking in the, in the ways, the ordinances of the non-Jews, it's it's and it must be avoided. Now, he has to address the fact that Mari Mintz, who was a, a towering posik of hundreds of years ago, did allow, uh, did allow dressing up. So he says, we have to say, lo in arim dafka, for young people, for kids, he says, he allowed it for kids, they're not really mature, they don't understand things, he says, he would not have allowed this practice for adults. Not so, hard, not so easy to understand the distinction, if we really felt this minog was based on Avodazara, and rooted in immorality, and paganism, and debauchery, it's not so clear why we would allow it for our children, but uh, he's just so convinced that this is intolerable, this custom, that he that he feels compelled to, to argue that even Mary Mintz would have limited, meant, certainly meant to limit his dispensation for children. He says, and even for the young people, he wasn't actually endorsing the custom. He wasn't recommending it. Sort of like what the Bach was saying, that we don't have to protest, he says. There is some justification for it. This is the idea of we often find in the postkim. Postkin will often say that we can justify a practice. We don't have to pull out all the stops to, uh, to block it because it has some justification. But not certainly that he would endorse it. Again, the Ramah's language was a lot stronger. The Ramah says the minig is lahakel. The Ramah didn't say it's just lahalamayin. Uh, but okay, but Rav Masas is so convinced that the problem is so deep, that the custom is so deeply problematic, he can't tolerate that the distinguished early Postkin would have possibly allowed it lechatchila. So certainly only for kids, and even for them, he says, it was only that you don't need to object to the custom, but certainly he didn't approve of it. We don't have to make the kids miserable by telling them they have to stop dressing up. Anyone who has the ability to protest against this terrible custom and chooses not to do so, God will punish him for failing to 
to work toward abolishing such a pernicious and problematic custom. Uvechein, he, te- he, he concludes addressing his correspondent, the Talmud Chacham, the Tzur of Merabanan, Uvechein, Daberna ba'ozne ha'am, uva'ozne achever ir, you should speak to the people, and you should speak to the, the local Rabbanim, he says, about this custom, you're absolutely right, Asher Sham speak to them repeatedly, be persistent, uva'ezer akel, and may Hashem help you with the dvarecha yasu peros, that you'll be able to influence them into abandoning this terrible custom. A remarkable tshuva, again, despite the fact that Rav Masas is, uh, is famous for being uh, remarkably lenient, especially with regard to established customs that people find hard to give up. Here he takes the opposite view. He is not at all impressed by this custom of this terrible, pernicious custom of dressing up on Purim. It leads to all kinds of immorality. Its roots are in idolatry and pagan holidays and later Christian customs of the Europeans. It needs to be abolished, he says, forthwith, and we should get rid of it. It is simply a terrible custom. Rav Masas's position is also echoed, not in quite as vehement a form, but is also echoed by a, by a later, by a contemporary Svardic authority, the very interesting contemporary Svardic figure, Rav Meir Mazuz. Rameir Mazuz discusses the custom as well. He has a, a rather longer tshuva. He discusses the, the custom also from different perspectives. He points out that the, the sources for the minhag are, are really very uh, very murky. We have the Marimint, but we, it's not clear where the minhag started. Marimint doesn't explain why they did it. He quotes all kinds of different theories in the Achronim that the Ashkenazic Achronim have offered for why we dress up on Purim. He's not very impressed by them. He says that the he says that El Yerabba says that we get dressed up Zecher Mordechai. Mordechai was paraded by Haman Belavush Malchus in royal garb. What does that mean? He says Mordechai didn't dress up. Mordechai wore royal garb. If anything, he says so that would mean that we should wear we should wear elegant clothing on Purim, like Hasidim and Anshemaisa do. They wear Shabbos clothing on Purim. That's the custom in, in, in much of the yeshiva world. You wear. Uh, you wear uh, resplendent clothing, Shabbos or Yantif clothing on Purim, but dressing up, Mordechai didn't dress up. The Yerav says a second reason, Zecher Levashti, that Gavriel gave for a tale, which I guess is a grotesque and unusual way of, of humans, of humans are presenting themselves. He says, we should imitate Vashti, he says, that's, that's logical. Maybe we, should, uh, maybe we should arrange ourselves like Haman, who was hanged on a tree. He says, we have to emulate Rishayim, we have to... We have, to, we have to dress up like Rishayim. What sense does that make, he says? We can say it's maybe what you want a real reason, he says. Maybe we should say it's like Eliyahu Navi, according to Chazal, when Charvona gave advice that, was a, that to kill Haman, it was Eliyahu Navi who was actually impersonating Charvona. Maybe that's why we dress up to imitate Charvona, he says. Or maybe he says, Zecher Esther. Esther hid her, her origins and she, she sort of disguised herself, not by wearing a costume, but by. By, by suppressing information about her, her origins. So maybe that's the Makari says, Esther minatara minayin, anochi haster aster panai, that Esther has some connection to Hester, and so on. So you can say all kinds of reasons, he says, in Drush, about why we dress up. But again, it's not a custom that has a, uh, not a, custom that has a uh, really solid source or a really clear explanation. He actually cites approvingly a, a, a suggestion of Ramanasha Klein. A, a figure as different from Rameir Mazuz as, as Ramanasha Klein would be hard to come by. Ramanasha Klein was a reactionary Hungarian, uh, Eastern European rabbi in, in Brooklyn in the, in the 20th century. 
But, but, but Rabbi Nasha Klein says something which Rabbi Mazuz appreciates very much. He calls it a tam yafel aminagzeh. He says the poor people used to send their children out to collect money, tzedakah, for Purim. And the children were embarrassed to, to go to their rich friend's parents and collect money. That they, they felt very awkward They're in front of their own peers and classmates. So the kids would disguise themselves so they shouldn't be recognized when they collected tzedakah. So, so, that, so, so, that, so that, that's how the minute began of getting dressed up. So we can speculate, we can have all kinds of theories, he says, but obviously, Ramazuz says, it's obvious, he says, all these Ramazim are just Ramazim, there's no real source for the minna. Then he says, he echoes, he echoes Rav Masas, he says, Karav Levadai, it is a near certainty, he says, that the minna developed from Minhage Hagayim, from the, the Christian customs of carnival, Yoshve Europe, those who lived in Europe, in Me'edeim, Sha'archim Chagigas, carnival, they dress up, ish isha, isha ish. And furthermore, he notes uh, that carnival is not a particularly high-minded set of, uh, of, of, of customs. Bishokin, Bachamishim, Sharem, Tumak, They sink into the 50, uh, the 50 uh, degrees of the 50 gates of Tuma. And Jews, Jewish kids, they, they saw their non-Jewish friends had a fun holiday of carnival. They wanted something too. So the parents started letting them dress up as well. But it is—it's a direct borrowing from Christianity. He says, from a particularly uh, unsavory aspect of Christian culture. He says, first it was kids, and then adults started to do it. He says, and it's—and uh, and this became the ichor focus. He says, and people focus on all the dressing up instead of the more important minhagim, like giving tzedakah and so on. Today, actually, they go hand in hand. In, in the yeshiva world, for example, yeshiva students, uh, adult yeshiva students, dress up, but largely in the context of. Uh, largely in the context of collecting tzedakah. So today they, they do go hand in hand. But he said, Rav Mazuz is not impressed. Ain't do some chaspurim, he says. Elaholus, v'sichlus. This is just, uh, this is uh, misguided revelry and foolishness. Chas v'shalom. He says, you want to spend money? Instead of spending money on fancy costumes, he says, spend money and support Torah institutions and give machzah shekel the proper way, which he says is not, uh, is not the, the shekel that we have in Israel or the dollar in the U.S. He says the proper way of fulfilling machzah shekel is to give the proper amount of silver, which he says is 9.6 grams of pure silver. Still not, uh, still, still, still not a whole lot of money. A gram of silver I saw is, uh, is, is, is really not all that much. It was about a dollar, about 90 cents, I think I checked the spot price. So it's still not a whole lot of money, but, uh, and so on. You should really spend your money on important things like tzedakah and so on and so forth, he says. And uh, then a true Simchas Purim doesn't involve dressing up. It's, uh, it's an Ashkenazic custom. It was never a Svarda custom, he says. Then he goes on and on and discusses the, the halachic aspects of the halachic aspects of the dressing up. And he, uh, and he explains that, uh, and, and, and that he, he doesn't like it, he says. And, and he concludes that dressing up he, is not a custom of which he is, which he is very fond. Now, apparently, in, in his initial letter that we've just been looking at, some people interpreted that as meaning that he was flat-out opposed, like Rav Masas was opposed. So there were some who understood that he actually meant to, that he actually, that he actually, his opinion was we should abolish the custom, and people challenged him and said it's a, it's a legitimate custom. So he wrote a follow-up letter in which he explained, I never said we should revatel the custom, he says. I said that there are some sources for it in Midrash, and Esther, and Harvona and Haster Aster, and so on, he says. Even though it's a late minog, it's a late Ashkenazic custom, the Rishonim don't mention it, and he notes again that Be'edot HaMizrach in, in Sephardic communities, in Eastern communities, 
They never dressed up until recently, he says, and so on. And Ben doesn't bring it. He brings the, typically, the authoritative Sephardic Menhagim doesn't bring such a minute, he says, in the Isles of Jer- in, in the island of Jerba, he says, and, and in the cities of Tunisia. They never dressed up, he says. However, he says, I, I wasn't telling you that the minog is absolutely problematic, it's absolutely forbidden. He says, I was telling you that it's a relatively, uh, it's a relatively new minog. It's, it's not the central minog of Purim. It should be kept in perspective, he says. Really, he says, I just wanted to tell you that it's not so important. Focus your energy and, and, and spend your money on more important things. And Zachar Nikeva, he says, the cross-dressing, men dressing as women, women dressing as men, that's a real problem. That's a real Isra Daraisa, according to some poskim. That, he says, definitely should be avoided. And it leads to Michshel, as we said earlier, the cross-dressing in particular leads to morality. So that, he says, yes, that, 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 he, was, that he was opposed, he says. So if you want to dress up, you can dress up. I'm not saying it's absolutely Usr, he says, but you certainly shouldn't, uh, men certainly shouldn't dress up as women, or vice versa, and, uh, and so on. And that is his position. So we have Rav Masas, who takes the remarkably stringent position that the custom is absolutely problematic. It comes, first of all, it leads to morality. Second, he says, its, it's sources are, in, are, are from Christians, from non-Jews, and even more problematic, that, that originally the custom came from ancient Greek and Roman pagans, and it is not a wholesome custom, and it's prohibited because of Chukas HaGayim, and it's a practice rooted in Avodah and absolutely it has to be avoided, and even Mari Mintz only barely tolerated, it's only for kids, and it's absolutely problematic and should be avoided. We have Rav Mazuz, who, on the one hand, he seems to agree, I didn't notice him actually, I didn't notice him actually quoting the Mayim Chaim, but he also agrees that the sources, that it's, it's sourced in the customs of Carnival. Nevertheless, that doesn't seem to have been a sufficient reason for Rav Mazuz to actually prohibit the custom outright, it's just, uh, just one thing he puts on the scale against taking the custom too seriously and considering it a central part of the, day's, uh, of the day's celebration. So he's willing to tolerate it, although he thinks that it's, uh, it's not the most authentic, most, uh, most important Jewish custom of Purim. Ravadi Yosef doesn't think it's Asr at all. He writes that he said that people get, people get dressed up and wear masks in Purim. Ain kol Isr Bedavar. He does not agree with Rav Masas. Rav Masas is concerned that it's Usr because of Chukas HaGayim. He does not think that's correct. Or that, that, that uh, dressing up, as long as it doesn't involve cross-dressing, is absolutely permitted. Cross-dressing, he says, is absolutely Usr. Usr be'isr mukhlat le'ish lilbush big de'isha. That's absolutely Usr, even on Purim. Even children, he says. Nachon, it's really not, it's really not proper, he says. Even on Purim, he feels that it's inappropriate. So we have, uh, so again, we have, we, we have Ramasas, who's an outlier here. He's often an outlier, but often he's an outlier. Usually he's an outlier, Lakula. Here he's an outlier, Lachumra. Ramasas is just, uh, because he considers it based on carnival, he considers it uh, deeply problematic in addition to the morality. We have Ramazuz, who's skeptical and downplays it, but, but doesn't, says you don't have to abolish it. We have Ramavadio, who says that it's absolutely fine, it's mutter as long as there's no cross-dressing. We should note that, that Ramasas's basic point that the custom, the custom has roots in Christianity and in uh, Greek and Roman paganism and therefore is usur, actually, it act, that actually is parallel to another concern that we've discussed in the past about another Jewish custom that some postkin were strongly, another Jewish holiday custom that some postkin were strongly opposed to because they felt it had Christian roots, and that is 
trees, flowers, greenery on Shavuos. There was an old Ashkenazic custom going back many centuries to have various forms of growing things, decorating shuls and homes on Shavuos. In, in, in some aspects of the custom were just greenery, herbs and grasses, in some versions actual trees. Today the custom is commonly flowers. But this is an old Ashkenazic custom going back many centuries. And we find that there was significant opposition to it in Lithuanian circles, the Vilna Gon, the Chayadam, and down through the generations, Archa Shulchan, we find that there was considerable pushback, considerable opposition to the custom on the grounds that they felt that this was also a Christian, Christian custom. Again, when people think of trees in the shul, maybe people sometimes might think of Christmas. That's not actually the holiday they were concerned with. The holiday they were concerned with was Pentecost. Again, just like carnival is, occurs, in, occurs in the non-Jewish world, the, the Christian world, around the time of Purim, Pentecost, Pentecost even means 50. It means it's 50 days after Easter. Shavuos is 50 days after, after Pesach. Pentecost is 50 days after Easter. Easter is around Pesach time. So Pentecost was a holiday that, that, that occurred around Shavuos time. And there were certain Christian customs, particularly in Eastern Christianity, that, cel- that, that actually observed and celebrated Pentecost with a uh, display, a, a celebratory display of greenery and trees and churches and so on. And that's why the Gaon, the Chayadam, and a, a number of Gedolei Achronim in the, in the Lithuanian tradition were critical of this custom. Some say they were only critical of trees. Some say they were critical of all greenery. And that's why that a number of postcom were actually critical of greenery on the grounds that, at least now, it's a Christian custom. So it's very easy to see Ramasas's position is eminently reasonable. Just like the Vilna Gaon and a number of, of other distinguished Achronim were opposed to the custom of greenery on Shavuos, because they felt that it, that it had a connection to Pentecost. Certainly when it comes to the custom of the, the custom of dressing up on Purim, whose origins are fairly murky, the origins of greenery on Shavuos is also a little bit murky, but, the, but, but again, when it comes to the custom of dressing up, which A, bothered Postkin because they felt it had a connection to immorality, and B, Ramasas and Ramazuz both, both feel that it's clear, Karov Levadai, it's clear that it, deri- that it actually derives and was borrowed, it's a relative, that it was borrowed from Carnival, which is an unsavory holiday, an unsavory set of practices to begin with. It's very easy to, uh, Rav Masas's position is really quite reasonable, that, that, that why, should we, uh, why should we tolerate customs that are rooted in, in Christianity and paganism and, and debauched uh, practices of those, of, those, of those religions and belief systems. The truth is, however, that as with, with Shavuos as well, the, the dominant custom does not follow the goat. We do have, we don't do trees really much these days, but we do have greenery in the shuls, and we don't accept that the minig is generally not to accept the sheet of the goat. There's a, there's a fascinating discussion by Rav Yosef Shal Nathanson, the great uh, Galician posig from the 19th century. He says also that just like Ramasas says, he asked experts, he, he tried to figure out where, the, what, what the origins of, uh, of carnival are, so, in parallel, Rav Nathanson said that he asked, that he, asked he directed when his students or his followers to pose the question to an elder of the church, asked him, why do you churchmen, why do you Christians put green stuff in your churches on Pentecost? And the implication is that had they given him some religious reason, had they explained that it was a, 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 that it was a religious custom, or that certainly if it had uh, immoral roots, he would have considered that problematic, like the goat. But the Christians told him that, no, there's nothing specially religious or ritual about it. It's just a custom. It's spring. You know, we, 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 decorate the, we decorate the churches. It's pretty. It's attractive. It's just a way of showing honor, and, of, of celebrating and, 
and, uh, and honoring our holidays. So Nathanson said, okay, so it's not essential, it's not really a religious custom, it's just a way of showing covet. If, if the Christians celebrate by eating as well, it doesn't mean eating is a problematic custom on holidays. As long as it's something that's rational and that's not uh, inherently religious, it's fine. So Nathanson said that the greenery doesn't have any, doesn't have any uh, explicitly Christian significance, so it's okay if we borrow it. It's not exactly clear why the Christians use greenery on Pentecost. There are some explanations that are more overtly religious, but Nathanson understood that it was a harmless custom, it was, simply a, it was simply a neutral way of commemorating the holiday, and therefore he felt that it was acceptable on Shavuos. So I suppose one could argue that, it, I don't know about the, the pagan origins, but even if Jews borrowed the, borrowed the customs from Carnival, if we understand that they're not inherently immoral or pagan, they're just ways of celebrating. It's, it's, it's human nature to celebrate by, by dress-up, by, by costumes, by, by, they're just part of the, it's just part of a human impulse to celebrate. Maybe that's why Postkin felt it's not Oster Mikra Din. On the other hand, Ramasas claims that they, they go back to, uh, to Dionysus and, uh, and Venus, and, and, and they are connected to immorality and debauchery. Again, the history is uh, probably hopelessly murky at this point, and it's hard, to, it's hard to say anything with certainty about how these practices originated. But, uh, but it, 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 is, it is worth noting that the takeaway, the, the, takeaway, the conclusion seems to be that Ramasas' point that, the, the, that the, these aspects of Purim celebrations, of, uh, of dress-up and masquerade, do have somewhat uh, unsettling and perhaps unsavory origins. Nevertheless, it was an old custom. It's a custom that goes back five, six hundred years at least among Ashkenazim, and therefore postkim in general were at the very least reluctant to, uh, to abolish it. Some, some, some actually endorsed it. Some, like Ramazuz, said that it's, he's not crazy about it, but he wouldn't actually abolish it. And Rabassas, as, uh, as reasonable as his position might be, Rabassas is obviously an outlier, and the, the, the dominant custom with the, with the force of Minuk for hundreds of years is that we do dress up. Although, again, when it comes to cross-dressing, that is something that post-gim, many postkim are quite strict about. Ramad does say the Minuk is to be lenient, but uh, many postkim are, are, are fairly strict about that, about cross-dressing, because now you're talking about a potentially a realist or derisa, and that's something which is much more problematic. Just, uh, just to conclude, just to quote uh, one or two more bits from the discussion of Rav Havadia about Minhagim of Purim. So he says again, masks and dress up is fine. Cross-dressing is absolutely usser. He adds one or, two, uh, one or two more interesting points. He says that magic shows are usser. He says people for entertainment would sometimes have illusionists, uh, magical entertainers. That is usser, he says. This is a topic for another day. People often don't realize this, but many postkim argue, particularly Ravavadi is a, is a noted adherent to this school, many postkim argue that stage magic, even though, it's, uh, even though it's not claimed to actually be occult and black magic, many postkim say that stage magic is prohibited, certainly if performed by Jews. The minute gets to be lenient again, especially if the magician is willing to explicitly state that this is not real magic, this is just entertainment, but Ravadia actually is strict about this. Ravadia says magic shows are usser, and they're usser on Purim as well as any other time of the year. To have a non-Jewish performer, that he says, there's basis for leniency, he says, but uh, Jewish, performers, Jewish performers are absolutely usser. And one, one final point Ravadia makes is that the, 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 the custom of a Purim Rav, in, who engages in satire and mockery of Rabbanim and Torah, he says, that is, a, uh, that is an outrageous custom. Ravadia rails and rails against it. Many posts can do, I think. 
that Latzanus and making fun of uh, making fun of making fun of Torah and Tamil is absolutely terrible. Again, it's very hard. Uh, we just had we just had in the shul. We had a Purim spiel, which I, I think I think uh, I think Arav uh, supported. So obviously, there's a difference between uh, harmless uh, entertainment and between just uh, just good harmless fun and between uh, actual mocking and, and cynicism and uh, satire itself can be used simply as entertainment or it can be intended as as a weapon as as a cutting uh, as an attempt to demolish an idea to cut ideas down to size. Ravadia doesn't really engage in all these nuances. He just talks about how this idea of mockery and litzanus and uh, humiliating and making fun of Torah, he says, is a terrible thing. He says, simcha shal mitzvah is what we should do, not, not this type of simcha of holos and shtus. But again, this is something else worth noting. Postkim have, Ravadia and I believe other Postkim have uh, been quite critical of certain aspects of, it's a very fine line between uh, wholesome humor and between... Uh, vicious satire sometimes, and, and it's a difficult line to draw, where Avadi Ali says that mocking, making fun of Torah and Tumil is something which is, which is outrageous and absolutely prohibited. Wish everyone a good night, a good fast tomorrow, a freilichen, a joyous Purim, and a good Shabbos.